Vocal fam, what is up? Hey. Can you believe that we've been at this for a month now? I know, right? Not us. We recorded all of these in one day. (laughs) Not us. Sarah and I have been sitting at my kitchen table for about 15 minutes. Yeah. But uh, here we are. Week week four? Four of our Voice Foundation guest episodes. Incredible. And, And this was our final one that we recorded Saturday right before going to dinner. Yep. And what a good dinner. That was it, yummy. It was. Josh ended up recommending some a deli. Uh, a nice Jewish deli. It was fantastic. It really was. I very much enjoyed it. I don't even like pickles. Okay. Um, but this episode, Joshua Glasner, Dr. Joshua. Officially doctor. We couldn't Glasner. say that in the episode. How exciting was this episode? It Amazing. really was. Josh is, let me tell you, Josh is like a one of a kind wonder. Um, dude is one of the smartest humans I've ever met. And but very personable. Very and uh, loves to nerd out. I Which mean, was appreciated. Josh and I, you know, go into our normal Star Trek: The Next Generation on this episode. In this episode, Which, theoretically, I've started watching at this point. I don't know. We'll uh, see. Give me a I'm, list. I, I'm gonna say that's suspect. It is. Uh, I, Jamie will try, and des- he'll probably guilt me into despite a few. the fact that we'll probably by the time this episode airs probably have a release date for uh, Picard. Oh gosh. Star Trek Picard. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so Josh was great. It um, really was. Again, if you've not checked out our merch store, please, please go check out our merch store. Again, I imagine we've pushed it several times on Facebook, so it's not going to be hard. Or yeah, Instagram or we're going to do links a, will be yeah abounding. So anyway, go check out. Go get yourself a T-shirt. Go get um, yourself a, a mug. mug. I don't, we don't even know what else we're going to do. But, definitely those two things. But it's definitely right? going to be up. And uh, anyway, support this episode. Josh Glasner, super exciting. Yeah. A lot of great stuff about his dissertation, historical recordings. What a crazy like dissertation. I mean... Yeah, it, intense. It really is. And just... It's so interesting. Yeah. It really is. And for a guy who can be this incredibly computational, but also artistic and also nerdy... It's incredible. I mean, it hits it, it. It Josh hits all our vocal fry high points. He really does. It was a I great mean, episode. It was, it was a it, great episode. It was a really great conversation. So check this episode out. Voice Foundation Week Four, four. with Joshua Doctor Joshua Glasner. How exciting! You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the third formant, everyone's favorite buzzsaw. Yes. I thought it was like that they wanted to like help. Are we we talking? Yeah. Oh, we're talking. Yeah. Now it is. Oh, I just okay. I mean it just started to be. It wasn't like anything else. Was. I feel like we should make a, a one eighty now. But nah, I mean, you know, I mean if we talk about a dear friend of ours as Being a, a villain. As a source of evil and good on the internet, I mean okay. it's, this is happening. It's all, I too am making a one eighty. It's all yeah. possible. Says 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 the tenured professor. <laughs> yeah, some of us aren't fancy huh. enough to like That's interesting. Now that you said that. Um um, what we just had, let me tell you, Josh, just to, to start out, we, for folks, vocal fam, hashtag vocal fam, hashtag vocal fry, we are here with a dear friend of the podcast, almost Dr. Joshua Glasner, 
Can't you wait till it's actually <laughs> done? It'll be nice. It'll be amazing. Um, we just had our minds completely and utterly blown by Bodo Mas because... It was incredible. Apparently, at one point, I just stopped talking. He did. There was about 10 minutes where all he did was sat and giggled at his computer. Oh, wow. Whoa. So, <laughs> and just, like, would just click buttons. And so, I'm, like, sit, we're sitting there, like, trying to carry on a conversation. Like, is he just going to edit this out? Like, Nothing's sure happening. We're what trying to carry on the conversation. The, the new version with the but with with Mata built in. Oh, yeah. With the voice synthesizer. Yeah. And yeah. so, he starts showing what? all of the it's capabilities cool of yep. that. And some people just got real like I mean I think we were all excited for sure some people <laughs> some people had to pull out their laptops completely forgot what they the were moment. in the middle some of doing some people may have pulled like out their like, own hey, laptop which they didn't even realize they had that version downloaded already <laughs> amplitude modulation yeah some of us yeah some people just kind of forgot some what people. they were doing where they were Things like that. I mean, it wasn't quite like Captain America wielding Milnir. No, it was not. But of, the, but of the things that have happened this spring, it was pretty close. It was, it was crazy. It was really, it was really great. He's but brilliant. It was. This has been an interesting afternoon, especially. I'm gonna keep saying this. Coming in on two hours of sleep. Yes. Yep. Woohoo! I'm really proud of y'all. My for brain is like barely processing in. what's happening anymore. I believe it. Here we are. They're gonna after we're done. They're gonna go home and go I to bed. I am going That's really to smart. sleep. Yeah. But um, Josh, I've wanted to have you on since we started doing the podcast. But I was trying to let you finish a PhD, man. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So before we even get into your dissertation and sort of what you're presenting here this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us a little bit about your own journey, about how you got to this point. Like, you know, w- w- with um, how you got to this point as as a researcher, as a singer, as an artist, as a te- voice teacher, as a statistician. Good Lord, I don't know how you pumped that out that fast. But, like, how did you get to this point? Um. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, I know, right? but also to put you on the spot about your life It's story. like, what do you say Here with you a are. microphone in front of your face? <laughs> yeah, right? Um, well, I just nice mean, like you know, I, I just mean, you know, look, you're, you're on, the, on the verge of, of finishing a PhD in voice pedagogy. Mm-hmm. You've got this awesome dissertation project that you had done a new investigators forum with here mm-hmm. at Voice Foundation two years two ago. Two years ago, Is that yeah. Right? That's yep. right, that's right. Two years ago, you know, I mean, you started that program when Brian Gill was still yep, in the program definitely. at NYU. Um, Brian's obviously a friend of both of ours. Of course. Um, and now in Indiana. And um, you, you're you're wrapped up almost. I mean, your dissertation has been submitted to your committee. Yep, I defend on uh, about a week and a half um, and a cool. uh, recital of five days after that. It's a and, little and, intense. And, 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 okay. and an incredible doctoral committee. I mean, Ron Shearer, mm-hmm. legend in the field. Aaron Johnson, amazing mm-hmm. work. Um, so, but just, I mean, you know, tell us a little bit, I mean, obviously I know more, but just, just the vocal fam knows sure. just how did you sort of get, fam. get to this world, weird world where you're a singer totally. and yet, man, you can pump out statistics faster than I can even like write down a number. Um, so I, I think like all of us, we, I, uh, was singing in high school, um, Without getting too personal, I grew up in like a really low-income family, and uh, like singing was my out. 
Nice. And uh, so then I was auditioning for programs as a music ed major mm-hmm. and uh, got into some really good programs. And then University of Delaware gave me a lot of money. Um, and so I went there. Yeah. Yeah. With our, with yeah. our right. mutual friends, Blake. With, uh, yeah, well, actually, Blake and had, Blake no, Smith and Noel Archambault actually hadn't started at University right. of Delaware until oh, I started there. Lee. So they actually came in that summer. I remember Blake I coming into the office. Yeah, that that's yeah. how long we've known each other. Yeah. Oh my so God. I remember, <laughs> so, so Blake Smith is the opera director over at um, University of Delaware. And I remember him walking into the office like the first like orientation week of school because um, he had just gotten hired, um, fresh out of his doctorate. Um, and then so, so he and Noel um, have, have brought uh, built rather built a really wonderful program there between yeah. uh, the opera theater pro- the opera theater and the uh, vocal pedagogy program. They, they have many uh, graduate students now. Whereas when I was there, there was I think one a year, um, and now they have a oh, lot yeah. more than yeah, that. Yeah, it's a nice program, and, um, and they're dear people. They've had me up there to present. Exactly. I mean, I, I love them both. Yep. So I went to University of Delaware. Um, uh, had a had a bit of a path there. Ended up doing a uh, um, switch to performance after my first semester, uh-huh. and uh, had a bit of a path where I ended up doing a senior thesis. Uh, my my senior year, I did a, a baccalaureate a McNair baccalaureate baccalaureate program, so like a postgraduate um, okay. or a, rather a, a graduate school prepari- preparatory program, um, where we did research in the summer. And I did this like cute little baby thesis, um, <laughs> and that's around the time when you and I met. Exactly, that's when yes. we met. Um, so I, so yeah, so then I uh, went to Westminster Choir College for my grad oh, work, cool. and uh, Kathy actually, was already there at that. No, point? actually, so Kathy Scott was still there. Scott had uh, so Scott McCoy had um, actually gone to OSU my first year at Westminster and was commuting or something. Uh, no, no, not no. that year. So that year he had just, that was the year he switched over oh, okay. to OSU. Okay. And then, uh, Kathy price was, uh, uh, she came into Westminster my second year when I, I was it. the lab GA at presser voice lab. Got it. Um, so I worked with Chris Arneson over at Westminster. Um, Kathy price came in the second year and we worked mm-hmm. really closely, mm-hmm. um, in the voice lab. Um, where you now do the summer program. Where I now do the summer program at the uh, Westminster Choir College Summer Voice Pedagogy Institute. Um, so the cool thing about that program is that we actually, um, in addition to giving people the opportunity to um, watch people teach, to learn all of the information, to um, see people teach a whole bunch of different styles, we do. We bring in a, uh, Kathy brings in rather, a otolaryngologist every, um, every year. Last year it was Sadiloff. Mm. I think this year it... I don't know if I'm allowed to say who it is, actually, because I don't know <laughs> oh. if that was confirmed. Oh, okay. But it's a cool, I was going to say, cool is it on their website? If it's on the website. I, it might be on their website, but I don't know. So what, what's the website so they can check? Oh, that's a good question. But if you go to Google <laughs> and you type in Westminster Choir College, Summer You'll Voice Pedagogy Institute, it. it'll be up. This is, that, that's hilarious because when I reference thing. singing voice science, I'm always like, if you just Google singing yep. voice science, it'll pop so up. I exactly. don't know the website's no. name. No. no, you just Google things. Just yeah. Google it. Yeah. You'll get it's there eventually. Thing. Google works better yeah. than do you know our what brains. The, do you know what the stock symbol Isn't for Google is? No. G-O-O-G. Goog. Goog. Can I have five shares of Goog? Like a goog. 
1997. <laughs> Can I like please have five shares of Goog in 1997? Please. 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 Uh, and better yet, five shares of Amazon from Indeed. 1997. Indeed. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so you, you, you're part of that. And, yeah. and you get to work with people in the lab when you so do the summer So that's the cool program. thing about the Westminster Voice Pedagogy Institute. We actually... Um, not only do students get access to the lab just seeing what's going on in there, but actually they have a lab component of the, um, some of them have a lab component of the actual course. Um, so they can either, you do a lab that uh, any, one of us has designed, or they can actually, sometimes for some people, if they have a really interesting idea that can be actually done in that program, or in that lab, um, then sometimes that like that week I'll write up a lab for them. Isn't that um, the thing? What? What you just said there? What's that? Well, so often people who you know the tech now. Yeah. About as well as any of us. And isn't it amazing how so often singing teachers have the idea of a project that they want to do, mm-hmm. but they actually don't realize that the tech actually can't do what yeah. they want to do. Yep. Yeah. It's it's like I always say and I've said it to you and you've heard me say it and whatever. You have to do enough background reading about the toys to play with the toys. Totally. Totally. Or or just play with the toys and like Without a figure out what they can with, do. Exactly. Well, I mean, I I think one of my favorite parts about like a vocal pedagogy class um like nowadays with with a lot of courses that or a lot of programs that have vocal pedagogy classes um, and that where those schools also have labs is yeah. um, they use those labs as supplemental to the information in the vocal pedagogy classes. So if you're learning something about breathing, um, doing something with, you guys have K-Pentax, so the phonotary aerodynamic yeah. system, mm-hmm. or if you have glottal enterprises, you can use that. Or if some people have like a, a you know, respitrace or some people, oh, what did we used to have at Westminster? We used to have this like huge old machine that broke. Um, but you would ba- you would basically be able to model or monitor like vital capacity and forced expiratory rate. Um, was it the old Glottal Enterprises no, one? No, from no, no. It was like a, oh, it was a Breon spir- spirometer. Oh my! It was a Breon spirometer, and it like you had to like it anyway. It's a when big, did Scott buy that? I think actually Marvin Kinsey bought it. What? I think that that's probably where it came oh from. Oh my god! I, I I hope Scott doesn't hate me if I was wrong, but. <laughs> Is it a spirometer like what you have to do when you have asthma to like check? It's your very yeah. similar. Is it, isn't there like a machine you can? I feel like because I have asthma and I feel like one time I went to the pulmonologist and yep. you like get in a machine. Yep. That yep. So this terrifying. was a very old version of it though. Uh-huh. So it was like this big blue box. Because well, like everything metal. used to be big. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Everything used to be big. Yep. Now everything's small. Ex- that's that's profound. Except for humans, we've We're we've gotten bigger. Bigger. Yeah. Anyway, um, so how did you get to NY? How did you get to NYU and start on that path? Um, so, uh, so I had applied for some doctoral program. In fact, I think I was gonna apply. To, yeah, uh, I, we'll, I applied. We'll just to say that, that Josh <laughs> may have been an applicant to a doctoral program that yours truly may have used to run. So we'll just leave it at that. Moving on. But um, uh, there may have been financial offers that were made by another institution that I could not compete with. Th- that that would be and accurate. So we'll, uh, We'll leave it at that. So I went to NYU and studied with Brian Gill. At least he had good taste. I mean, me and Brian Gill. I mean, I mean, it's, uh, good, it's, it's good company. Good taste. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Leah's like maybe Brian Gill. Main not so sure in about you. Making you go PhD over DMA or oh, that's a good question. I what I really liked. So, so when you're looking at those programs, um, 
what's really interesting is to see what the actual curriculum is. Okay. Um, and th I think all the schools that I looked at had really either wonderful curricula or they had the potential to have wonderful curricula. Yeah. And so NYU fit the latter. They had a really open curriculum okay. and you could basically choose whatever you wanted to take. You made it That's what awesome. you wanted. Yeah. That's nice. That's so cool. in other words, someone who might have come in with you might not have taken as much stat as you have. In fact, I have. Um, I took a lot of music technology courses. So I took oh, that's cool. uh, signal processing, advanced musical acoustics, C programming for music technology, aesthetics of recording, a sound engineering course in the summer wow. where they like, they, oh man, they brought in like the, do you know like Sennheiser microphones? Like there's this brand of microphone. Yes. Okay. Um, they brought in the dude who listens to the microphones like the, the whatever the microphone records, they brought in a dude who listens to the microphones before they market the microphones. Wow. Uh. So there was this there was this microphone that did like every single um, like polar pattern. Um, oh, that's cool. And you could just switch between it and as opposed to having a microphone that was either like, you know, one ver yeah. like type yeah, one A or versus or type B yeah. versus type C. Um, it you could just turn a knob. And we had model number zero 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 and zero zero one, as that wow. we were that like is, testing. Wow. What? Yeah. Crazy. No, the music tech program is brilliant. They're what? they're amazing. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So Josh knows lots about recording. So <laughs> basically, we, we should be embarrassed that we're recording on these nineteen dollar <laughs> Behringer microphones. No. no. They record things. They They're do. doing what they got They do. Well, and of course, we would acknowledge that we would never do a perceptual study or any kind of study using these microphones. Okay. But they're fine for podcasts. Indeed. <laughs> yep. You can hear us, I think. <laughs> Ian is desperately trying to convince me to try to buy an Earthworks microphone. And You've wanted one for like... research, right? For not research, for... Like, yes. you're not no, going to hold like these like... Good <laughs> Lord, No. <laughs> No, for research, we yes. We're not allowed to touch it. <laughs> we'll just sit and look at it. We're not actually even going to use it. Yeah. We're just yeah. like, wow, the things you could do. No, for research, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and... Good luck getting MC okay, to go so, for that. Okay, so let's let's get into really why it's we have... It's only $2,000 or so. Good luck getting MC to go for that. No, but the what's the... Tw isn't the M23 only a few hundred, like six, seven hundred? I, I don't know. I think there's a lower version than the M30. That Still flat response? It's flat response. Nice. That is not quite what the M30 okay. costs. I think he said it was six or $700. That sounds awesome. So it may very well be I my... I mean, not with my paycheck, but like it, it sounds well, awesome. It will probably be my capital request for next year. Nice. Um, so anyway, although we were looking at my old Rode NT1A... It actually has a flatter frequency response than I thought it did. You could measure that. It you just figure out what it actually is now. You can. Uh, you mean you actually figure yeah, out what yeah, it is? Yeah, totally. See, pop a balloon, right, Ian? Pop, popping. But of course, then you could pop balloons and make voices. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're getting <laughs> off. Y'all are going on a weird track. Sorry, yeah. I don't get anymore. We're, there were about three people who just laughed. <laughs> things, and things. two of them and are in the room. I was going to say, I think two <laughs> of them are literally talking here. So Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Josh, <laughs> w why we wanted to have you on, though, was to talk about this business with your dissertation. Totally. These historical recordings. T talk to us about wh uh, where, how you got, wh how'd you get there? Totally. So, um, you know, we, 
a lot of us as singers or as voice teachers listen to these old recordings and we try and um, come up with some sort of just idea. Some, uh, so yeah, some sort of idea of like how to improve um, having listened to these like you know the great great singer yeah. exactly exactly great singer. So like for example, are, have have y'all listened to any uh, like older singers? Like do, uh-huh. do you know names at all or I mean, uh, older like like however. I mean like old old like before like cylinder like, recording or, or even or. just before 1940. Honestly, I'm really not sure. there would be the ones that you've played yeah. for us. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. So like, so. I always, I always love the Adelina Patti okay. of singing um, the Mozart, where she has like the most portamento, totally portamenti in the history of portamenti. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, and I think this is part of your issue. Like, you listen to them, and you're like, oh, this really isn't the sound I'm going for. Right. Like, so I don't really want to emulate mm-hmm. this. I don't want this in my ear. So you thing. listen to it, and you're like, wow, why is my voice teacher saying this person's wonderful? They sound horrible. Mm. Yeah. Right. Not saying that older singers sound horrible, but no, that's your but first like, reaction. Yeah. The limitations. Exactly. Exactly. So I was wondering, um, you know, we listen to Caruso or we listen to Lily Lehman or Rosa Puncel or like some, like these older singers. And we wonder mm-hmm. um, what, what can we learn from them? But we also wonder why do they sound so different? Um, and so I did a master's thesis, a, a little baby master's thesis, where I analyzed, I suppose, eight baritones. And um, just commercial baritones. Reco- baritones. No, this was actually important. This was important because um, th- we, based on research, based on literature, we know that there's a um, the one of the main limitations is how much um, like frequency information is okay. recorded um, by these technologies, um, even vinyl recording. Um, and so my idea, and this was actually partially because of Chris Arneson at Westminster, to record baritones, with, the reason to record baritones was um, because their singing, or to rather analyze baritone uh, recordings, was that their singing was actually mostly within that frequency range. Mm. Okay. Right? So the idea was, can I look at something, at that point the idea was, can I look at something that is like most mostly there accurately present uh, uh, represented by the technology yeah and can i see differences from that and huh. basically in my masters i realized how much i didn't know yeah and <laughs> so i went on and designed all of my coursework at nyu to help me answer that question i keep oh. realizing how very much cool. i don't know i'm, I'm just very very yeah, well, it's the thing about being a lifelong learner exactly is you the more you keep learning exactly the more you keep realizing you did what you don't know exactly i don't trust people who think they know a lot oh man I probably shouldn't have said that. No, no. I, I think that's a fairly safe yeah. statement because you kind of limit yourself in that way. Yep. Like if it's you think certainly you know things like everything. Perna would say on the podcast all the time. So you're good. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so I was I wanted to answer this question. I realized I had no stats background. I realized that. Um, the commercial recordings I was getting were just off of Amazon. They were like MP3 oh. files. Yeah, so. Um, and so I wanted to kind of go a little bit further with that. Sure. And so um, the research is kind of, uh, the project has kind of evolved um, over the past six years. Indeed. Um, where I was going to just, again, just measure baritones. But then I learned a whole bunch of signal processing stuff where I realized I could like, you know, play a bunch of white noise into some microphones and figure out how the the cylinder how the phonograph system or the microphone records that information um and so i realized i could actually just record any voice type 
Oh. Huh. So then we uh, spent about a year recruiting um, professional opera singers. Okay, um, wow. I had at that point secured cooperation with the Thomas Edison National Historical Park. That's what I wanted you to tell them about. Yeah. So we were. So there had already been some studies in the music tech program from master students about these cylinders, and I hadn't heard about cylinders at that point actually. Um, and they were studying them for basically archival purposes. They were saying, um, Rebecca Feinberg was studying how the cylinders, if the weight of, the, of a stylus um, would impact the um, degradation of the cylinder, because we have all these old cylinders that are um, have not been preserved since like 1900. Yeah. Um, and so there's like mold on them or some of them have shrunk um, or like the Library of Congress or the different uh, libraries around the world um, only just started to put them in like um, humidity controlled rooms huh. yeah. um, to limit the spread of the mold, for example. Um, and so she was saying, is it actually beneficial to um, use a really heavy stylus and we know that the information is going to be degraded, but is it better just to like do it and get the signal digitized so we can have it forever? Yeah. Or is it better to use a really light stylus and, huh. um, and try uh, to preserve what's still there and yeah. without damaging the cylinder itself. Yeah. Wow. Um, and she found that after about like 10 plays, the cylinders stopped degrading. I think it was either 10 or 20. Um, and uh, that, in fact, it's beneficial to use a heavier... St she was arguing that it's beneficial to use a heavier stylus, um, so on and so forth. So there was, a okay. there was a master's music tech student who did that, and there was another one who was actually measuring the um, kind of like coloring, filtering effects of phonograph horns. So oh, when you Right. Okay. So, in fact, when you play back these acoustic recordings, you didn't have an actual speaker because um, they weren't electric, right? And so you would actually um, play them back with kind of like what you'd see with a, a vinyl recording. You'd have that needle, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and the needle would kind of pick up the signal, and the signal would then be transferred through a horn, right. which would then amplify yeah. the sound and also filter it. So his question was, okay, we have these digitized recordings. Are we actually hearing what was intended by the engineers, or can the horns actually filter the digitized recordings. So what he did was he built these um, these filters that he can actually put together with the digitized cylinders, and you can basically have on your computer then a representation of that cylinder that has then been played through a horn. Okay. So those people. That's nuts. It's crazy. The NYU Music Tech program is one of the best in the world, and they do crazy, crazy stuff. They're actually building a holodeck. There's your pop culture reference. What? They didn't get it, but I did. Star Trek. I'm not there. They're building. I'm supposed to watch it this summer. It hasn't happened yet. You should. Yeah. When the Picard trailer dropped, I shared it with Josh instead of y'all. Okay, you did share it with me, and I didn't watch it. Wow. Ooh. Are your grades turned in? Yep. <laughs> I graduated. <laughs> I got my diploma in the mail today. Congratulations. Whoa. Yeah, they're, 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 they're all schools. done. They're all done. I know. Actually, I'm really impressed that we got it it's this very fast. Impressed. Like, I don't I understand I how that happened. And I thought it was going to be And like it came months. like in a week. I thought it, yeah, most of the people I know, it 
took them a month or two, yeah. but awesome. I never I got my diploma. Congrats. I am graduated. <laughs> so All that anyway, being said, can't fail me for not watching that trailer. <laughs> it's too late now. Wah, wah, wah. Um, well, at least Dr. Uh, Glasner and I are excited about seeing the Picard series. I mean, I'll get there eventually. Tell you like I tell Jamie all the time. Her husband's takes a big like, Star Trek Next Gen yeah, fan. Yeah, it takes it just takes like a year or two for me to come around to something like this. Well, and you've been on me for about a year, so it could happen any day. I could wake up tomorrow and be like, "Wow, Star Trek, I'm ready for it." Full confession: It took me about a decade of people saying, "You know, you should really mm-hmm. watch that Doctor Who show. You would really like that Doctor Who show." I know because I was there when uh, you finally were like, "You should all watch right. that Doctor Who show." You would you you of all people you don't watch Doctor? Are you sure yeah. you don't watch Doctor Who? Because you would really like Doctor Who. I'm aware. I recall. I will say it's a great bonding experience. Have your have your husband watch Star Trek with you chronologically. It's wonderful. Well, I've been told that maybe I can. They only, don't have like, to watch. I can every just watch episode. the highlights. Not, well, you can. We That's can, what I've we been. Can tell her a good episode to get hooked, and then you go back. That's and what I do with people with Doctor Who. Exactly. I, I'm like, go watch Blink, and then start yes. from the beginning. Yeah. You got to give them something good oh, yeah. to get them through the mannequins. That's fair. And yeah, no, no the mannequins know, are rough. The mannequins are a rough one. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. I'm trying blink, to think... Like, really? Literally blink? Blink? Okay, because... So, it's a really, like, Like, here, exciting. have nightmares. It's a wonderful show. Yeah! See, I don't like horror stuff, and I don't think it's... It's that scary. Yeah, yeah but scary. don't you like walk outside and see like statues, yeah, statues and you're everywhere. like, am I you're going like, to go to a packed. different dimension and die? Well, yes, there is that. But like, it's yeah. nice because it, it's a really good plot, but it's one that you can have people watch and like they don't really need to know all who of the, the background information is. about Doctor Who. Because okay. honestly, he doesn't play that much into it. It doesn't really ruin anything. That's fair. Like it's a good standalone hook episode. See, I was told to actually just start with Matt Smith watch oh, okay. yes. and this was, but, that makes me upset well no no, no 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 but it wasn't mm. be, it was actually because of the storytelling mechanism okay my I friend and that. i really trust him and, and it was actually a really great situation basically he was like watch from matt smith and um then and then matt smith hadn't finished good... yet at that point okay. and so he was like watch through matt smith um and then go backwards and watch all of david Tennant through you actually probably started watching dr who or, then, sorry, around, I, uh, around the same time that I did because I started watching, but I started with nine. Yeah. And, but I, it was it's when just, 11 was airing and it wasn't through yet. It's like, it's like next generation is wonderful and probably my favorite, but right now deep space nine is easier to watch deep space. I've been trying it aged to, you so know well. what? I've never finished it and I'm actually in the middle of it right yeah. now. I finally got into season four. Oh, now it's good. R- right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm realizing, like, now I'm realizing, oh, I'm watching Star Trek as a war show. It's, But it's not just war. It's like, what do, what do people do during war? Yeah, it's like, yeah, but it has sort of the espionage sort yeah. of elements. And, oh, and see, the, that sounds my style. I like that. I yes, like but it takes yeah. three somewhat slow seasons. <sighs> okay, yeah. well... To get to that point, I can. I don't know. That's hard. I, I can usually give a show a season, like like Game of Thrones. See, I don't watch. I read all of. Game she of can't Thrones, do the blood, but I can't watch it. it. It's too much blood. That's fair. I can, it's weird because the reading it doesn't bother me as much because yeah. like obviously the blood is still there in the books. It's just not on the pages. But it's different. I don't have to look at it. That was it's morbid. not in my brain. 
Yeah. I liked it. I'm trying to actually, in my brain, think of like a single Star Trek Next Gen episode that I would point you to. As like a hook? That's oh. As like a hook. That's not a two-parter. Uh, the Inner Light. Well, yeah, but I don't think that, but I think that's, that's like, it's too good. It's like, oh. you need to know Picard. Well, then pick, I was going to say, pick something that I what, don't what need about to the, know. What about the drum head? Measure of a man. Measure of a man. Measure of a man. Measure that's of easy. a man. Yeah, and I, it's I so can, early I, that yeah. it doesn't matter. I, I could go. With, no, no, that's the thing. I could go with measure, measure of, a man. of a man. No, because that's one of the episodes mm-hmm. I, I said to Jamie we have because that sets up Picard yep. as humanist. Okay. And Picard, but it's as beyond that. It's the broader picture. The broader picture is like, how do we treat life? How, well, and how do we treat the other? Yeah. You know, you're talking about this like android who is trying to like gain rights, like. To be, okay. to be told that, like, yes, you own your life. Yeah. And so they're asking the question, what is life? And so it's this kind of, like, AI that's question. That, that's, yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's what is life with AI. And I think it's important, especially nowadays. Absolutely. Right? And you're seeing this more frequently with, with shows right now. With Insert AI. Black Mirror reference. Black here. Mirror, humans. Um, what else? Uh, there have been a lot of robot? movies that have played no, with that. No, that's kind of different. No. I didn't really like well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, a bunch of movies. There have been a bunch of movies. I feel like recently I literally can't think of any of them. Or right the Will now. Smith movie. I don't know if I. I, don't, I, I haven't seen any of them. Uh, I Robot? Those border on scary. Was that what for it me. was? Yeah. Yeah. There was some horror movie where, like, the guy falls in love. Like, there's a girl and turns out she's a robot the whole time. She kills everyone. Uh, oh, that's. That um, came out, like, sometime in the past few years. Uh, isn't that her? Yeah. yeah the one with Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Yep. See? Kind of remembered it. But, like, yeah. did not go see it because. That sounded scary to me. Don't want to get killed by computers. Thank you. Anyway, so we took a weird turn. We, we did. From that was that was very vocal fry though. We just um, so I'm just trying to play to the audience right now. You're, man, man, you just you just won the vocal fam for it's sure. My role. Um, <laughs> what are you presenting? What part of it are you presenting totally. this week? Um, so this weekend I am presenting actually just the vibrato part. Okay. Right. So, so my study was taking um, twenty professional opera singers, mm-hmm. having them sing into a phonograph um, or onto a cylinder, um, so, while also singing into some flat response microphones. Oh. Um, and so that from there, I was able to take different spectral measurements um, and do some fancy math and compare them. Um, the in addition to the spectral moments or the spectral measurements um which were spectral moments in addition to the spectral measurements um i also took vibrato rate and extent measurements as well as fundamental frequency measurements um and so this weekend all i'm doing is the vibrato rate and vibrato extent with fundamental frequency it's a very it's a really small part of the dissertation but when we were applying for abstracts back in november or whatnot i was like i know i can do this i've say, done for broad- with what you know yeah and, and when we get eight and a half minutes to present that yeah i have no too. clue how i'm going to do that once i get to the spectral stuff so would the idea be that eventually you could reverse engineer this everybody asked that and i you know i'll say previously i didn't think that that would be possible mm-hmm. but now actually um I'd have to like really sit down and, and like really improve my coding chops, yeah. but I think that it, it it is feasible. It might be I might be able to do some interesting things that would be potentially relevant. 
Well, yeah, well, I mean, that like was a very Voice Foundation way of saying <laughs> things. Yes, it was. I liked it. It was, it was very... Qualify, qualify, qualify. It was very... It was very... There's a possibility I might be able to do something that might interest somebody. Sometime. <laughs> Sometime. Someplace. Well, it mm. goes back to what you said at the beginning of, like, we listen to these recordings of people, of, mm-hmm. the, of the greats, and you're like, I don't know. But it would be really cool to be able to go and listen to yeah. kind of a, this is what they... Might totally have sounded yeah. like in well, actuality, I like the I don't know the perception impacts of that, just like how we view singers of the past. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, well, like when you nobody know, sings like exactly them like right. nobody, yeah, or nobody even or even this because you two both sang. You, you were both classical, special like especially mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So even uh, voice teachers who say you know i teach bel canto mm-hmm. right well well bel canto literally wasn't verismo opera like like literally and so if you're teaching i what i think i'm finding is that there there it seems like there's this shift that happened somewhere around 1920 here's a fun story so i took one of these sopranos um and i asked her like very wonderful singer um, singing Wagner and Verdi and Puccini all around the world right now, including the Met. Wow. And um, nice. I asked her to just, in addition to the stuff for the study, to sing a random aria. I was like, I'd really love for you to sing something else if you wouldn't mind. And I used another cylinder, which costs like 30 bucks each Whoa. or something okay. like that. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, that was a very... An investment right there. An mm-hmm. investment in her voice. Um, and she ended up singing In Questo Reggia. Reggia or Reggio? Mm-hmm. In Questo Reggia. Um, from Torrentot. And the interesting... Which is the first thing you sing all night. Right. Literally has to walk out and, and she start almost, singing And she almost got the entire thing done. Oh, this is interesting. The cylinders could only hold a maximum of two minutes. Oh. oh. Yeah, that's oh. an interesting what part of this. even two minutes? I know, yeah. right? Imagine all of this thing, all the recordings that you did for your study and how, how many minutes of uh yeah, of yeah. audio that was probably more than minutes Definitely oh lord i can't even fathom yeah. um and imagine yeah. trying to fit so i actually had to change this is a bit of a tangent from the tangent please um <laughs> but i had to change um the tasks that i was asking the singers to do i remember us talking about oh. this um, because of your be, be from yeah because of that that time that yeah. duration limitation um, so I actually had to basically take exer- or tasks that we do in or that we use for voice research literature um, and modify them so that I could get enough samples, enough tries, yeah. um, but also get all of the information I needed. So that was a cool exercise because I had to actually think about what I really wanted to um, to, to analyze. So yeah. that's a cool that was a cool learning experience because that's uh uh, like how many times do we ask someone to, okay, sing, you know, an eight note scale up and down. Can you do it three times on four different vowels? Um, you know, it's a on, computer. It'll hold keys, right? forever. We can and do we it think forever. about, we think about storage, data storage is something that's so like cheap, which it is right now. Yeah. Um, but I think beyond that, we don't really think about what we're actually trying to measure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're just like, we'll find it in there. We're going to get it in there somewhere. But if you actually take, You're think about so that, right. you can actually truncate all of your tasks. Right. And, f- and, and 
just get what you wanted to measure. So for example, I did like Mezzo di Voce, right? Yes. I did yes. Mezzo di Voce for every single singer on an A vowel, unfortunately for women, um, on a C5 for women and a C4 for men. Yes. Um, and the reason I did that was one, to figure out um, is vibrato constant through sound intensity changes, right? Through okay, dynamic yeah. changes, mm -hmm. right? Um, and also I wanted to ensure that they got to something that had vibrato so I could, uh, in the middle, right? Um, so that I could extract vibrato measurements. And, and that took three seconds each oh. time that they sang it, as opposed to doing this whole thing, huh. right? Yeah. Um, where I might use the same amount, but the, the, the vocal load on them is much more diff is yeah. much more, in, uh, much higher rather. Huh. Um, so that was a cool exercise. But going back to Inquestoreggia, basically I asked this soprano to sing and she sang it and almost got through the entire aria um, in two minutes. Hmm. Uh, and, and then I realized I was presenting it, where was it? No, I was having dinner with someone and he was like, um, he was like, you know that was premiered in 1926, which is a year after Edison stopped making cylinders. So, in fact, I don't know how we got to this part, but in fact, um, that w may have been the first time that that aria was Shut recorded the front on a door. cylinder, right? Oh, no. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so that's kind of cool. But the whole point of this is, if you think about the timeline there, if that aria was never recorded on a cylinder, most likely, what does that mean about how singing has changed? Or could have changed, right? Because you yeah. have this bel canto period pre nineteen hundred, yeah. but you have the singers who were trained to sing that, and then there's these writings about these people who these Italians coming over on boats with this different sound, yeah, because they're singing this new guy named Puccini, right? And all of a sudden, this verismo style starts like influencing all of the other styles which is why i play that adelina patti recording of singing mo singing right. voice sapete right yeah. and it's like quarter note equals 60 and so my original question then is not original from the research but what we were just talking right. about is what does that mean with the with people who say that like you know we have this tradition and this is a little bit risky i think but what does it say for people who say we have this tradition that's been passed down over 300 years plus um if singing has changed which i don't know that i can conclusively say yeah but if singing has changed um does that and classical western classical singing if that has changed does that give us license to claim to continue changing Hallelujah. Like, I think that's really interesting. I think that's freeing artistically. Yes, it could be. Right? Like, and you sing like musical theater sometimes, right? Yes. Right? So, if we, from what we kind of understand about functional pedagogy, right, it's totally possible to sing a whole bunch of styles. Yes. They both do both very well. Right? And, um,. I mean, if we think about this media, this art form that we think of as immobile, um, but actually that consider we can get so that uptight about. Yeah, we say like, right? oh, it hasn't changed. You have to do it exactly whatever. And we don't right. Even, but we don't even what know if it's, how accurate. What if, 
Okay. Or we get exactly. upset yeah. saying exactly. again, oh, nobody sings like these people. Well, you know what? They don't sing like the great people before. Th- like, And I don't know if I really like believe all of this quite yet, but these are thoughts in my head. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. it's exciting. isn't that kind of cool that like yeah. we can change nice this thing yeah. and we can like find new artistic ways of doing things. Well, and just that we can communicating. It's just a new way that we can kind of, we've talked about before about how just we consider I mean, not even intentionally necessarily, but just as Western classical musicians, um, that's the that's the standard, and everything right. else is like less valid, right. you know. Right. And Which, if it's like moving to someone, it's not less valid. Right. Yeah, if it's exactly. and if someone can do it for a long period of time, it's not less valid. Yeah. yeah. And it's not painful or hurtful or well, or even other styles that have been around just as long as Western classical yeah. singing. Yeah. But aren't West. Not yeah. our Western, you know. Yeah, like like just basically old white guys. And that's yeah. and that's not to say that we shouldn't be respecting tradition. Sure. Oh, in no, fact, like, there's something we all right enjoy. enjoy that, yeah. There's something really beautiful that Will Crutchfield said, who's a musicologist, and he said, um, the point of studying the the past is not to let me get this right. Uh, the point of studying the past is not to attempt to recreate the past but instead to find a way to, to see if we can find something that can augment what we do currently. Mm, that's good. I yeah. thought that was beautiful. Yeah. Learn from it, advance, not just sit there. Yeah, stuff, never change. use it to move forward. Right, because you're going back to your Portamento example. Um, we, that's something that isn't always seen in, in modern opera. Um, the, the use of chest voice, I think, as, as found in those older recordings, um, is not often used, and when it is, it's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and we can look back at that, and we can, you know, I was teaching uh, one of my young professionals, uh, soprano singing something Puccini, and I was like, I wonder if you could give me like a full out chest voice there. I don't. And I said because this is a. It's a it's a historical question really because what I know what I think I know from this period mm-hmm. um, around when this was being performed originally that was an acceptable thing to do, and she did it and she was like that's that's it's easy it's cool and yeah. Yeah. Um, she ended up getting a role which was cool, but that that's always cool but um, <laughs> indeed but but, nice but yeah it's it augments what she's doing right yeah indeed and see I think that what you're getting at here at least for voice teachers Mm -hmm. we could gain a lot of perspective thanks to the work that you're doing and so I just want to applaud you for helping us move forward because I one of the things that I try to be very cognizant of in my own teaching my own researching my own singing my own mentoring my own whatever is being self-aware and so I think anything that makes us as a profession more aware, mm-hmm. um, whether that's aware of our history, whether that's aware of our maybe our built-in biases, whether it's made aware of, of things that we think that are true that maybe weren't true to begin with, um, I'm, there's a certain I'm, – I'm sure you saw that, uh, that meme come across this week that said on on a certain social media feed that said in 1982 it was a it was a letter to new faculty hires and it said oh. in 1982 two faculty had a fight 
That yep. same fight has they've they've since forgotten what that fight was about. But you're but a new hire, you. and you're going to be asked to change <laughs> choose a side. Uh, you know, it's sort of true with this Belcanto business. You I know, think so, possibly. I mean, po- possibly, possibly, maybe, um, potentially. And anyway, so I mean, I just it it's real. I I applaud you. Thanks. And uh, I think the work that you're doing is important. And I think that uh, it's going to continue to be important. And um, and it's going to be great, man. It's going to be great. It. Finish your dumb degree. Two weeks. <laughs> That's crazy. Two weeks. I don't actually understand how you're here just being chill with this all coming up in for two like weeks but four months important. i've been going day to day so i think that's where i'm that at that right makes now sense. <laughs> you know you get you reach that point even where it's not even day to day it's more like every hour you're like okay what am i doing right now two presentations tomorrow i know that one that's presentation it? has yeah. to be finished tonight there you go <laughs> <laughs> you, i you, turned ours in you've today, got it figured so, out <laughs> Uh, and while we're here and we have you on the podcast, Josh, from our team to you, thank you so much for running our numbers. Yes. Of course, my and pleasure. We don't know statistics. <laughs> and totally flipping what was going to be my presentation on its head. And um, I'm I very, looked at the numbers, and that's why I asked you. I'm very grateful. I can't very even begin to tell you how grateful I was for that. And uh, we it's will look much smarter tomorrow. Uh, gosh, it's tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow it is. is Sunday. I think it? so. Yeah, tomorrow oh is Sunday. Gosh, what a That's long what I was day told. this has been. Um, so, really, Josh, really uh, obviously, you have some definite nerd pop culture interests, some of which we've already hit on today. A little bit. Is, so, is TNG your favorite? Is, is TNG yeah, the top? Yeah. What's your favorite? It's, is, because, is it it's because I really respect bald men. It, well, <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> now, now we're just playing in the crowd. Um, I mean, as Christian is, is 50 feet. Uh, Christian Hampstead is amazing. It's right behind you all, it's in case favorite. you haven't uh, realized uh, a favorite of the He's podcast. Um, but uh, is Interlight your favorite um, episode? N- I mean, I'd probably no Chain of Command. Chain of Command. Chain of Command. Yep. Chain of Command. I'm, I'm, I'm. Yes. As a, as at least the full two parter, Chain of Command. Yeah. Because I think Best it's of Both Worlds loses its footing in the second uh, episode. Yeah. I mean, best of the both best of both worlds is the easy one. It's the easy one, and so you can't say it. Right. Right. I think it loses its footing in the. Do you know? The, do you know why that happened? Yo, yeah. The why, like, so, so, so in this episode, nope, I can't say that. Are you gonna spoil there's things a, no, for so me? No, there, so there's a cliffhanger. He already spoiled something for me. Someone dies. No, so there's yes, a, I told them that Spock dies <laughs> in Star Trek Two. It was really upsetting. And I told her then that she had 35 years that it. Well, it's been enough time. I'm just saying That's we're gonna be fair. spoiling things. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, you I don't want to spoil the, the, it. For no, the, them. there was a cliffhanger. Okay. And the reason there was a cliffhanger, I believe, was because they weren't sure if Patrick Stewart was gonna resign. That is correct. Oh, uh, that's always interesting when stuff like yep. that happens. They were still in contract so, negotiations yep. when when that show. It, 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 which is why, if I'm correct. When the episode aired, it was called The Best of Both Worlds. But now, if you watch it on Netflix, it's called The Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Like, it actually, that's actually the oh, title that flashes, which is not what title flashed originally. Oh, I see. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, they weren't they sure that it was going to be. Part 1 versus right. yes. then, where it's like, well. That's cool. 
That's kind of interesting. Like, I mean, that is something that you could easily miss if you go back and you kind of binge watch a show that's yep. been over for a bit. You don't know these little things like, oh, well, that's why this happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we've covered Sarah's breakfast already yeah. today. That's exciting. It was uh, not an exciting breakfast. Was, was it a plain breakfast? It, no, it was a cliff bar. It's like I have to eat when I first get up. So even though it was 3.30 in the morning, I had to eat something or I would have like, been dead or something so i ate a cliff barn it was just unsatisfying like it not, did the not trick. her yummy muffins uh. it wasn't they're so good those muffins are amazing they also make frozen waffles been eating those for a while Indeed. but anyway thank you so much for sitting down with us yes. of course thank and you for everything else you've done for us um we're thrilled this will be great uh and uh yeah go check out their program at westminster choir college yes. uh and, and definitely be looking for research written by joshua glasner it's going to be some of the game-changing stuff coming out in the next i don't know three decades no pressure though <laughs> so anyway all right we'll talk to you guys later thanks josh Bye. thank you Bye.